I am Diane. I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you, Michael, for asking me to be here today. Um, I came to the rooms in 1983, heard the God stuff, and left. Um, I thought it was a cult. I knew that there had to be something better. I couldn't find anything better. And I returned in 1986 because the diet that I had decided to go on was finally the one which would fix me and would make my life happy and would just finally do it, give me what I wanted, which was a thinner body and a happier soul. And I lasted for two hours. (laughs) And the despair that hit was so intense that I said I better go back and give it another chance. They called it the last house on the block. And I came back, so I've been here for 33 years. I have never, ever, ever left. I've had various abstinences, long, 12 years, a seven year, a five year, whatever. At this point, I am, I'm about to celebrate one year of a very cleaner, cleaner, more, I don't know, God-centered abstinence. But I'll tell you that it almost doesn't matter anymore what my abstinence date is because I am a lifer. I will never leave. I no longer ever, ever eat my red light foods. I no longer let any of the program practices go by more than a day. I get weird if I'm not connected to my higher power, if I'm not doing the tools, if I'm not going to be... It's such a part of my life. They call it a blueprint for living. It is the... Had I been raised in a very strict religion where they told you what to do, which I was not, that's how I feel. I can't leave this program. I cannot leave these wounds. I cannot. Because the despair waits right out there. It's right there. And the despair is me on the edge of a pit with my toes over the edge of the pit looking down into something like out of Dante's Inferno. You know, creepy, weird, horrible stuff down there. That's the despair that I lived with for most of my life until I came to the rooms. In an overarching sentence, this is what I want you to know. What the journey has been from 33 years ago until today is finally surrendering every single thing in my life to a power greater than myself. And that's every single thing in my life. I have an iron will, I have a really, really strong head, and man, that has not been easy, because I know what's best, and I'm in charge, and I can correct you, and I can run the world. If you remember any of you, the old-timer Jeannie, who used to say she stopped spinning the planet, (laughs) that's how I feel. That's how I feel. I had a day, two days ago, it was Thursday, and I woke up in the morning, and I knew my higher power was in charge of the entire day. And that's the entire day. Weird stuff, guys. I'm telling you. It wasn't just every single bite I put into my mouth. And it wasn't even every small little decision that I had to make. It was like 
should I have broccoli or Brussels sprouts? I mean, I'm talking, is it, should I clean the kitty litter box now or later? Everything. Is it, will I find a parking place or not? It doesn't matter. When you surrender the things you really have no control over, such as my disease, such as traffic, such as the heat, such as the air condition, is it going to work or not? If you surrender every single thing in your life that you actually cannot control, serene prayer, hello, it is such an easier and more wonderful day. And I had that day. It was still like a, a joyous, almost religious experience. And I'm not religious, but it certainly was spiritual. And then yesterday, I didn't have that day. Yesterday, I woke up depressed and cranky and irritated because I hadn't slept enough the night before. And, ah, and I don't like it when I don't sleep enough. And I was all like this. But I still had a higher power. I still had a higher power. And this higher power said, I guess you need a day to just rest. I guess you need a day where you don't have to do anything, where you don't have to beat yourself up for not doing your list, or you don't have to whatever. And I went, oh. And then I got to be in acceptance of the fact that I had a day, and I could because of my particular time in life where I'm semi-retired and the kids are taking care of me, all that stuff. I had a day of basically isolating, sitting in my red chair in the living room and reading a book, making sure that every single thing I put in my mouth was what I had committed to my sponsor the night before, making sure that the the little voice, the old, wonderful, uh, horrible, diseased voice that says, you need more, you need more, because that's a constant refrain in my life, making sure that I got to say to that voice when it came up, no. Thank you, higher powers in charge. How long did it take to find a higher power? A good ten years into the rooms. First ten years, I didn't have a higher power. I just said, I don't know, I've I got to be careful. I, got, I, just, I just said to myself, um, I will pretend. I will pretend. I will just, I don't know what a higher power is, but I know that I can't solve this problem of the weight anymore. I can't. I lasted two hours on the diet to end all diet. I mean, really. If you don't need... If, if, I mean, is that evidence? Yes. Hi, done with the 50, 60 diets I've done all my life? Up and down, 50, 60 pounds at a time? I was done with that, so I can't handle this. So what I will do is I will assume there's something out there and I'm just going to go go for it. So as long as it wasn't in my, it wasn't sitting in my chest and in my soul and my head anymore, I would dispense it out to the universe. And that was good enough. And then, as some of you have heard this story before, um, I had a dream one night of a, a, a very amorphous, weird, strange, robed female figure. Female, I couldn't see the face. There's nothing, you know. And she opened her arms and she had a cloaks on. And she opened her arms and I have a picture in my head of a little girl, me, very young, with her arms up and no one picking her up. And that was how it felt in my childhood because 
the rest of the people in the house were very busy with each other, being angry and crazy and nuts. And I was the little girl hiding under the dining room table and hoping that the noise would stop. That's who I was in my childhood. And this particular robed, wonderful figure picked me up in my dream and hugged me to her. And you know how when you hold a baby and the, the little head goes right here and it's like, and that's how it felt. And that's been my higher power ever since. I don't know what she is. I don't care. If I'm inventing it, I don't care. That's the most important thing. I don't care. Remember that moment in um, The Fugitive when Harrison Ford said, but I'm innocent. And Tommy Lee Jones said, I don't care. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel. The journey is all I care about. And it's a really very, very important journey for me. Just briefly, I ate my feelings for the first 42 years of my life. So you can do the math. I turned 76 this year. Okay? I ate my feelings. I was on every diet there was ever. Did them all. Fasted twice. Took off 60 pounds the first time, put on 70 right afterwards, starting with a pound of seized candy, which could have put me into a coma, they say, but I didn't care. I tried it again, and this time, and I did that for like six, eight months, and I felt very powerful, very manic and powerful, because I was finally thin. And then I broke it, I felt such despair. And, oh my God, not again. But I couldn't stop eating. Couldn't stop eating the candy. By the way, I've not had sugar, except for little teensy bits here, every other year or something, for 25 years. I, I don't know why I was given that. I am so grateful I did. I, I remember the moment when the little voice said, you have to stop this now, because if you don't, you're never going to stop. And the little voice, I, I didn't say it in English. It just was a feeling in my head. That was my higher power. And so I stopped. Stopped. And by the way, whenever I've, quote, broken my abstinence, it's been for one day. I do not have, thank you God, a bunch of relapses that went on and on where I had to gain all my weight back. The most I've ever, I've lost about 40 to 45 pounds in the rooms. The most I've ever had to gain back has been three or four pounds. And that was like, you know, really bad few meals and no exercise, that kind of thing. My, my go-to was as much volume as possible. And over the years, that's been after the sugar got kind of handled and after the other stuff, I have a list, my abstinence is basically I do not eat sugar no matter what. I only have bread if it's a sandwich. That's the only time I have bread. And for some reason it doesn't set me off. You know, so I don't get rolls at dinner and I don't get that, that, that. I have things I do not eat no matter what. I have things I only eat when I go out and I cannot keep in the house. Because I still cannot keep certain things in the house. Because one of these days, the disease is going to start again and I'm going to go and reach for it. I don't want to go there. So, I'm, going to, I'm jumping around. But, <clears throat> this higher power thing. More and this higher power. More and more and more is the what's really left of my disease. I have for years and years and years had 
clean food. By the way, I just want to say this now. I work my program. I will never leave because I will do serenity prayer. Help me change the things I can. I can form new habits. And I do form new habits. Every night before I go to bed, except once in a while, I write a tenth step. And I send it to my sponsor. And I write my food plan that I had that day and the one that I'm going to have the next day. That's every night except once in a while when I don't. Because I'm not perfect. Gee, what a concept. You know? In the morning, I wake up every morning, hit the snooze button, and I pray and meditate for seven minutes. That's what I do. I get up. I either have my breakfast right away or I wait until after I go to my computer. I can't write longhand anymore because my wrist hurts. I go to my computer. I share on a Voices of Recovery loop that I'm on with people all over the country. I write a letter to my higher power. She answers me. She answers me. And when I tell you, and I'm very pragmatic and very practical, and I'm not a woo-woo person at all, when I tell you she answers me in a different voice than my own, I'm telling you the truth. And I write and I say, had a wonderful day yesterday. Thank you so much. She says, pretty much every morning, I am here. I am always here. I never leave you. Almost every morning. I have, in other words, the thing I've been wishing for my entire childhood, which is someone to make me the center of their universe. No human can do that. No human. God knows I tried with lovers and all kinds of things, you know. I had a wonderful marriage until it fell apart and he made me the center of his universe until we were all messed up and we couldn't do that anymore. And I had, we, we divorced and a year and a half later he died. And I raised two, two children. Nineteen. And by the way, he was 37 and he dropped in a sudden heart attack. And you know what? That's pretty traumatizing. That's pretty traumatizing. And I woke up every morning for the rest of my children's lives at home worrying that I wouldn't be a good enough mother or know how to take care of them or be able to support them or say and do the right things so they would be great human beings. It was a terrible... My stomach was like this every morning and I ate. I ate. Of course I ate. I ate because what else did I know? You know, they're on their own now. By the way, I have two amazingly wonderful successful, kind, sweet children. And thank you for program because I did come in when they were teenagers and I know that it helped. I fucked them up before that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you know, this is how I talk so it's kind of... Like, Alright. Um, I didn't. They came out of me a certain way. One of them was kind and sweet and kind of interested in the world that was my son and my daughter came out looking like is this what is this <laughs> and, and, and she still has she st- she's 46 she still has that she still has that but she's much better and she loves her mom and she asks me for advice all the time now by the way take heart <laughs> because the grown up daughter can ask for advice yes anyway She also loves to hear about my program. And she is one of us, but not treated yet. And one of these days, I hope she does, and it's not my business. It's not my business. It's that simple. 
thank you program program I don't go to Al-Anon I go to here because my higher power tells me she is going through the life that she needs to go through and nothing you can say or do is going to fix it and that's the truth but what I can offer to her is love and telephone calls and visiting and support so that's how that works my son again born a piece of cake easy sorry about the illusion of cake but you know he came, he came out of me easy and he's still wonderful you know bless him and he's given me two grandchildren so excuse me I have no complaints plus I love his wife and she loves me and she loves it when I visit and she tells me she doesn't want me to go home yet program why I stay out of their business I am of service to them when I visit I learned here I am of service to others I am not self-centered I really am not I was I came into the rooms looked at everything through the prism of me, 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 me because we do of course we do I compared myself to others I, I said where's mine where's mine I, I that's how we come in we're self-centered right you've heard this what I am the piece of shit around which the world revolves you know that's an addict that's an addict I'm not that person anymore the word humility used to disgust me I love that word now I take no credit for everything I'm saying to you today every ounce of recovery I do have and it's an imperfect recovery and always will be because I am a human being and human beings are imperfect but everything I have today is because I work this program and I turn over everything that I can't control to this higher power she's with me right right now sometimes I'm very crazy I have what five minutes thank you sometimes I'm very crazy sometimes I wake up and I'm nuts oh by the way I wake up every single morning anxious every single morning still that has not been removed the anxious is future worry future planning and I always swore I didn't have the worry gene in my family guess what Wrong. I have the worry gene from my family okay what do I do bam pray and meditate I say the serenity prayer I say the first three steps I say the third step prayer sometimes I list my character defects you don't need to hear them but it's a nice long list and I have them memorized Some, then I put my hands out in front of me and I close my eyes and I feel that higher power and I say my mantra which is a higher power fill me now and I do that until the thing goes off and guess what anxiety is almost completely gone if it's not the letter to my higher power where she says to me write it out what is it that's on your mind <coughs> vomit it on the page don't make it pretty don't edit it just write what's bothering you and I do in a fury of writing and then having expressed it writing is such a good tool such an important tool having expressed it I can feel my higher power taking not the facts of the things that I have to deal with but my attitude about them and isn't that a difference right isn't that a difference I can still say I have a very difficult day today because I have this this and this but if my higher power takes the anxiety I'm feeling about it if it takes the 
oh my God, what's going to happen thing, and just says, now we put one foot in front of the other and we get through it, then I don't have any problems. I really don't. And that's how I get through my day. And again, none of this is perfect, but that's been the arc of my recovery. Closer and closer and closer to this power, greater than myself, which may or may not be a fantasy, okay? It doesn't matter because it works. And less and less thinking I can run the show. And I don't want to often enough. And I have to keep my mouth shut when I'm not nice. I have to make amends when, I, when I'm not nice. In other words, all the stuff that we all, we all do. Okay? I can't tell you what this program has meant to me. I think I have told you. I think I have told you what this program has meant to me. A way of living that is beyond my wildest dreams, to quote the literature. Beyond my wildest dreams. Um, I'm so glad you asked me that. Because I want to share my joy. Thank you. This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions I've shared with you today are my own. Oh, yes, and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. And please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. And it goes till 9.35. Okay, let's have them. Yes. Can you talk about how you are sponsored and how you sponsor? Yes, I'll be glad to. How do I sponsor and how I am sponsored? Uh, my sponsor's in the room and she's wonderful. Um, I've had several different sponsors over the years and my theory is, looking back, that every single one of them brought me a different part of the program that I needed to learn. So there's never been a problem about it's over, it's time to go. Uh, because someone taught me writing, somebody taught me higher power, somebody at various times. My sponsor now is uh, of a similar age and some similar issues that I'm going through now, so that's very important to me. And she's a wonderful listener, and she has some psychology background, which is nice. Oh, by the way, I was in a lot of therapy, and I loved therapy, but I don't think it gave me what to do with the information that I gleaned in therapy. I think program does that, my opinion. How do I sponsor? I'm very specific when I sponsor in this. I have a specific time that, that they call, and early morning, and if they can't make that, I, don't, I can't sponsor them. It's a specific time. They have 10 minutes. That's the best I can do. I really don't want people just calling when they want to, because I have a very full life and a lot of stuff going on. I have them work the steps. There's always step work. Uh, as soon as they can, I have them write a nightly 10th step. As soon as they're willing, I have them commit their food beforehand, and if they're not, at least afterwards. Uh, texting any changes, which is what I do with, with my sponsors. And I am loving, not judgmental. I tell them I'm not their best friend, I'm not their mother, and I'm not their, their shrink. I tell them they can tell me anything they want because I'm not going to take it with me for the rest of the day. That people that say, I didn't want to upset you, a uh, little sad to hear you didn't. Okay? I hear it, but I don't take it with me, I don't take it on. That's how I sponsor. Um, at this point, I have three sponsees, and it's the most I can handle at the moment. Um, if, I hope that answers your question. Yes? Yeah. Uh, this is kind of strange, but has this ever happened to you before? 
for example, when, for example, God tells you in your head, you know, what, you know, what happens here in the food and how he feels and stuff, and then you think to yourself that you think it's okay, but this is like, for example, oh, I'll have this ice cream, whatever, and then I'll show God, since I'll have this ice cream, I will be a good girl and stay out of the food just to show him that while I eat this ice cream, so it's okay to have that ice cream to show the Lord and God that that's going to make me be out of the food, being a good girl. What you're, what, excuse me, what you're talking about is have I directed God how God should react, basically, in, yeah. in the food. Uh, probably I did for many years I would say is this okay and then I'd make it okay because my disease was strong no more then if I know but if I know deep inside that God doesn't want then I am not surrendering to my higher power I am running the show if I am running the show I am not surrendering to my higher power. I have a choice at that time. I can continue running the show and continue being in my disease and continue to be unhappy. Or do I choose to try to be happier and calmer and more serene inside? That's how it feels when my higher power talks to me. It's a journey. If you're not ready to go there yet, then you're not ready to go there yet. No judgment. It happens when it happens. I have no idea why or how, but that's, that's how it works for me. Thank you. Yes. Carol. Yes. Service in my programming. I always, always take, as much as possible, I take a service position at every, every one of my regular meetings because if I don't, sometimes I can talk myself out of going. And I really don't want to talk myself out of going, but sometimes in the morning I don't feel like it. And that little girl comes up, and then I have to go on right now. If I have a service position and I have to show up, fabulous. So that's what I do do. I recently was on the board of the uh, San Fernando Valley group uh, because, um, I, I, by the way, for those who don't know, I used to... I. Back when this was in the log cabin on Robertson, I loved this meeting, and I came all the time because I lived nearby. Now I live in Silver Lake, and it's much easier to go into the Valley and, and the Valley meetings and the Glendale meetings, which is why you don't see me in the L.A. meetings very often. Um, so, yes, I do service, and I really do do service because I'm taught that that's one of the tools. And I am, even though I'm a rebel by nature, I do every single one of those tools because that's what the old timers say to do. Do the tools. Look at the tools. And I'm not great at outreach calls, but I'm getting better. And that's always been so. Yes? Yes, I wanted to tell you that Is that a question? <laughs> I thank you. Thank you. It's all higher power. Trust me. It's all program. And I have, I have a gift with words, so that's what I do, but I was born with that. Everything else is program. Yes? Yeah, you mentioned that you wake up every morning with anxiety. Do you do certain rituals to uh, ease that off, or do you work with 
Oh, oh, no, no. I uh, thank you. I wake up every morning with anxiety. I am on a very minor medication for anxiety, by the way, that I probably started about ten years ago, and I'm pretty sure it's it's helpful. But it doesn't stop the anxiety. What stops the anxiety? It's less than it used to be, probably because of the medication. But what stops the anxiety is exactly what I said. I pray and meditate it and write to my higher power, and it leaves me. It gives me this, you know, it's not the fact of the things we have to go through in a dark. Sometimes we have very unpleasant things to go to. And sometimes life sucks. You know, sometimes there's death and unfairness. Oh my gosh. And politics don't even get me started. That's, that's what we have in our lives. Life is not easy or hard. It's not fair or unfair. It's completely what it is, acceptance. But our attitude on how to handle the things, that's what I get the, that's the anxiety relief from this higher power. Higher power, higher power. Literally, like a bundle of nerves. Take this. Throw it up in the air. Let my higher power and her gorgeous cloak take it. And then I can go, oh, all right. Yeah, I have to do this really difficult interview today. Yeah, I'm probably going to have to spend three hours on the phone with some person in India whose accent I can't understand. You know, I'm going to probably have to do that. But instead of being anxious or fearful, because that's another one about it, I set myself up. I put the speaker thing on. I work on my computer. I do it in a relaxed fashion. That's what my higher power does for me. And all the work I do to reach it. Ellie. about it and I pray and hope that there's a gut reaction that will make me know what it there's a you know the gut is either calm or anxious and when it's calm it's higher power and when it's anxious it's your will trying to get in I pray for that and so so far my higher power has let me know often not when I want her to often I have to wait through I don't know I don't know I don't know until all of a sudden oh oh and this calm comes over me if it's something you have to decide immediately and I think a big move isn't but but there are other things you know do I go left or right left or right I do close my eyes I take deep breaths and I picture myself going right or left and there's a kind of a feeling and then I know what to do I hope that helps. Good. Thank you. Yes? Thank you very much for your share. Um, so you talked about how you set yourself up for the day, that in the moment something happens, like where, how, do you, how do you access your You know what's wonderful about doing all this? How do I access in the moment? Yeah. What's wonderful about doing, and now I'm going to do it, arrogance and pride, fear, procrastination, defiance, defensiveness, denial, self-loathing, judgmentalism, complacency, comparison. That's my list of character defects. Yes, I have them memorized. And yes, some of them have been relieved almost completely, and most of them have not, but maybe all better here and there. What happens to me in the moment? 
for, again, this is 33 years. I can identify which of those is up. I can identify them in fear. Or I'm in comparison, I'm jealous. Or I'm in arrogance, I know. I can identify those pretty much as soon as they come up. Sometimes I can't, and then I have to wait until something gets revealed to me later in the day. But if I know I'm in fear, then I get to close my eyes and ask my higher power to relieve this fear. Because honestly, I don't expect mere, I don't do not expect my higher power to find a parking place. I do not. What I ask my higher power to do is relieve me of the anxiety about finding a parking place. In which case I'm open to parking six blocks away and walking. It's not a big deal. Nothing is that big a deal. That's the stuff that I have to go, go through. I hope that helps. Yes, Michael. Thanks, Um What's your... I didn't hear procrastination. <laughs> oh, it's in there. I said it. So, okay. So, oh, so procrastination. Talk about your experience with that and how you six and seven. Michael, Michael, Michael. I, <laughs> I think if there's, I mean, my father was the supreme procrastinator. Made my mother nuts. And I do believe I inherited it from him. It's this little thing that goes in, oh yeah, no, I need to do that later. Not now, not later. The only good thing I can say about my procrastination is I never, I, let it, I never let it drift into where I'm late or there's an unpaid bill or I don't show up. Or, okay. But I constantly pray for relief from, actually I did. I don't pray for that as much anymore. For some reason, I don't procrastinate as much as I used to. It has not been removed. My dining room table gathers every single piece of mail I've had for God knows how long and things I meant to deal with and a file folder that I I have an office but I do it on my dining room table and it's a mess and I keep saying gotta get that if you just put everything uh, if you just put everything away now begin it and you won't and okay I no longer beat myself up for it that's very important I do not beat myself up I accept that one of my imperfections is that I tend to procrastinate. I accept it with a capital A. And then, I can relax a little, and usually the willingness to do it comes. It's when I keep beating myself up for something that it takes longer to get over it. I put down the cudgel. I put down the whips. I really don't beat myself up anymore. I accept my imperfections. Um, do I do this brilliantly? No, because sometimes I still beat myself up. But it's so much better when I get off my case. It's so much better, and it does seem to resolve itself easier. I hope that answers your question. Yes? Um, thanks so much for sharing, Diane. Uh, one of your defects that you mentioned that I relate to a lot is the, uh, the comparison and the weird mind and the self-centeredness. Um, I've been around, you know, 20 years in, and I guess it's better, but it's still really there. Um, and I, I'm just wondering if I can. Am I supposed to stop now? Oh, no. Okay. okay. Five more minutes? Thank you. Yeah. How do you work? Is that, is that still comes up more often than you like? How do you. It does. How do you get that the letter? Well, because. You do this. Because. Because, as I said, I'm very pragmatic and I'm not into woo woo. 
I'm really aware that every time I think that when someone else has something I want, it's because I should have had that. However, the actual reasoning, the logic behind that, is false. Just because someone got a contract, just because someone got a part, just because someone got a man, just because someone got a baby when somebody wanted to have it, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. If everyone has allowed their own journey, anyone else's journey is their journey. Comparison is deadly because it's based on a completely false paradigm. Just because someone found a guy at 76 years old doesn't mean that, oh, he was supposed to be meant for me and she got it and I don't have it. Excuse me? It's false. And, you know, there's something about false things that I go, oh, okay, fine. That's it. I'm dealing with people with infertility problems and stuff that I used to go through. And every time one of their friends has a baby, it makes them crazy because they should have a baby. Well, it's bringing up sadness, but there's nothing to do with that baby. Nothing at all. That baby exists in its own path and on its own plane. You either will or will not have a baby. And that's called life. And we, we surrender it. That's one of my sponsors. You know, so, does that help at all? It's not logical and therefore I have to stop. I know. Yeah, 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 no, no, no. If you're both going for the same job, you should have had that. No, they got it. Acceptance. I love that acceptance. Acceptance is the key to all my problems today. Oh, I love that reading. Boy, I've read it over and over and over again for years. I think this might be the last question. Yeah? Yes. Thank you so much to share. You talk about I have such a full life right now and how different people talk about their mind and their talking. What about the opposite? Like when life is not feeling so full of it? You feel like the most vulnerable moments sometimes. I go through them. I've had that. I'm basically retired from the career that I had most of my life, but through some wonderful serendipitous luck, something I did 27 years ago has come up to make me have a new kind of career. And I'm busy now. But before that, I had no purpose every time I woke up in in the morning. And I had a lot of depression around it. And again, higher power. Make a plan. You know the plan that we have as a tool now? Really good one. Daily plan. In which I do something for self-care, like exercise. My meals are planned. I do something for service. I volunteer. I make outreach calls. I give myself time to read, because I love to read. You know, I do what I can. And I accept that this is a simple chunk of time in which life isn't going the way I wish it would. And I also accept that I've had enough times in my life when all of a sudden I turned a corner and something new happened, that maybe that'll happen. Whatever it is, I have to love myself, do my program, go to, go to more meetings, and so on. That's just, life is filled with all kinds of stuff that we don't like. And I will. That's it. I think I'm done. I have one minute. Who wants a one minute question? That's fine. 
See, that's what it is. I, I have to tell you that I am really filled, as I said, with joy at sharing today. And I was worried that I would get too manic about it because I'm really feeling this right now. And it is what it is. So I, I did. No, it's over. Thank you.